the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Well, in the Bible, one of the most terrifying and horrifying scriptures is found in Second Thessalonians 2 and 11, where it says, God shall send them strong delusion. Question, what does the phrase strong delusion mean? And what can we do to avoid falling into this trap, whether you're in the church or whether you're outside the church? Join us now as we come to part nine in this series entitled, Why Does God Send Strong Delusions? So stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by our program tonight and challenged as well by our program tonight. Uh, as Brother Gary has said, we have been doing the series on Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 10 through 12. Uh, we are talking about uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Paul lays it out, uh, strong delusions. And uh, these strong delusions come because people have rejected the truth of God. And uh, so what I want to do tonight is to tackle this from another perspective and talk about strong delusions as it relates to a heart and heart, a heart and heart. And the word strong delusion is synonymous with uh, the word uh, heart and heart. They go together like a hand in a glove. And then when you see, we see this today with people, uh, not only in the Bible, but we see it with people in the world today. We even see this in some churches today with people who constantly say no to God and to Christ and to the Holy Spirit. And after a while, you know, God gives you up to a heart and heart and even a reprobate mind. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing, my friend to constantly say no to God, to say no to the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart's door to bring you salvation, to bring you to Christ. And you need to listen. You need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit because he's trying to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when the wooing of the Holy Spirit takes place, listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you uh, a classic case of a man in the Old Testament who heartened his heart over and over again against God. And, and this brought severe consequences upon him, his family, and the nation that he ruled around him. And I want to get back to 
the number 10 and and just elaborate upon that for a moment in relationship to this heart and heart. Uh, 10 times it teaches that Pharaoh heartened his heart regarding the things of God. He just kept saying no to God over and over and over again, like so many folks today in the world and in the church and involved with cults and involved with false religions, involved with uh, just all sorts of things, people who are working over time and never going to church, saying no to the church, no to giving, no to prayer, no to the Bible, no to the arm of God. It just opens up Pandora's box to a heartened heart. You don't want to have a heartened heart. I I pray for you tonight that you'll stop saying no to God and say yes to him tonight. Ten times it teaches that Pharaoh heartened his heart. And uh, I want to get into these 10 scriptures, and I want you to write them down so you can see the Word of God for yourself and how this man heartened his heart towards the things of God. Number one, in Exodus 7 and 13, Exodus 7 and verse 13, the King James Version says, he heartened Pharaoh's heart. He heartened Pharaoh's heart. This is uh, the best, um, this is the not the best, should I say, um, translation. Uh, in the uh, Hebrew, it's a better translation, and, and it says, Pharaoh's heart grew hard. It says in the Hebrew, Pharaoh's heart grew hard. That's what it says in the Hebrew. Number two, in Exodus 7 and verse 14, it says, And the Lord said, see, God always speaks, always speaking, trying to get to the heart of man. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is heartened. He refused to let the people go. And we can see Pharaoh and so many people today, they just refuse to do the things of God. You know, it's not just Pharaoh. We refuse to do the things of God. We refuse to go to Bible study. We refuse to go to church a lot of time. We refuse to give. We refuse to pray. We refuse to put on the armor of God. And then after a while, your heart just gets heartened towards being in rebellious towards the things of God, a dangerous place to be. Number three, in Exodus 7 and verse 22, it says, And Pharaoh's heart was heartened. You know, the Bible just goes right to the cruticus, to the, to the shot in the skull, to the heart. Because Jesus said, Out of the heart proceeded all sorts of wicked things. And it's the heart of man that does not have a heart after God. Just like David, he had a heart after God. He was not perfect, but he had a heart after God. Do you have a heart after God? When God is trying to speak to your heart, are you heartening your heart? Or are you opening up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Number four. Exodus 8 and 15 says, Pharaoh, he heartened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. See, God is constantly trying to speak to this man over and over and over and over again. That's what he does today 
in our world today. He's speaking to all sorts of people. He's speaking to the heterosexual community, the gay community, the transgender community, and telling them, have a heart after me. Don't don't do sinful things. Don't fall into sin. But we're not listening. A lot of us are not listening to what God is saying. And therefore, our hearts are getting hardened. Number five, Exodus 8 and 19. And it says, And Pharaoh's heart was heartened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. This is like saying the same thing over and over again. But it's important for you to get these scriptures. Number six, Exodus 8 and 32. And Pharaoh's, Pharaoh heartened his heart over and over again. Number seven, in Exodus 9 and 7. And the heart of Pharaoh was heartened, and he did not let the people go. And number eight, Exodus 9 and 34. Pharaoh, he sinned yet more. See, when your heart gets heartened, you're going to sin more and more and more. It's just going to multiply. And Pharaoh, he sinned yet more and heartened his heart, he and his servants. See, you, not only did he get affected with a heartened heart, but others around him. It's amazing how sometimes when a a father is not have a heart after God. Sometimes it affects the wife not having a heart after God and the children. He's supposed to be the priest of the home, the leader of the home. When his heart is not after God, it can turn the heart away from the rest of, with the rest of the family. And that's a heart and heart family to be in. Number nine, Exodus 9 and 35. And the heart of Pharaoh was heartened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, and the Lord had spoken by Moses. And number 10, Exodus 13 and 15. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would, would heartily let us go. Now, heartily is another form of the word hearten. Now, here is the judgment of God that the Lord slew all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of the men and the firstborn of all the beasts. Because, you know, when you have a heart and heart, you turn away from God, that leaves nothing left but the judgment of God. And God judged the entire population of Egypt, including Pharaoh, and as well as his son took his son away from him. We have here 10 verses of Scripture that teach that Pharaoh hardened his heart 10 times, which means that God allowed his heart to be hardened in a strong delusional state because he consistently, religiously, deliberately, and willfully refused to follow God's commands and instruction. So God allowed his heart to be hardened are baked into the wrong decision that he made over and over and over again. Now, there's a lot of lessons for us to learn out of all of this. Let me say this in conclusion. Pharaoh heartened his heart is a classic case of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, of God sending strong delusions because they reject the love of the truth that they should believe a lie. See, after a while, Pharaoh kept rebelling against God, wouldn't hear God, wouldn't obey God, 
And after a while, God just gave him up, and that's what's happening today in our world. See, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is synonymous to a strong delusion, God sending strong delusions. Even though it doesn't use that word strong delusion regarding Pharaoh, the hardening of his heart was a strong delusion. And today, the same things are happening today in our world. You know, uh, you know, I was just talking to Gary about some people that he's witnessing to and sharing some insight with him about how to approach the people. But a lot of times when people are in this strong delusional state of mind, you can only go so far with them because Jesus simply said, when they don't listen, dust the dirt off your feet as a testimony and go on. Don't continue to stay there talking to somebody in a state of delusional thinking because it'll just take the breath away from you. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls among swine. If they're not going to listen and they're into that strong delusional state of mind, all you can do is give them the, the word of God, plant the seed, and let somebody water it with prayer and let God give the increase. And let me say this in closing. Because Pharaoh rejected God's truth, over and over and over again in the warnings of God, God brought judgment upon them. And we see in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, And they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, which means that God will eventually judge all those who are in that strong delusional state of mind. They will be judged by God if they don't turn from that heart and heart. My prayer tonight is that the Holy Spirit will break into that hard heart of yours tonight, and you will surrender your all to him. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you tonight. That number is one 888 F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 Don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, the number is one 888 We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is one 888 F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 Don't be shy. Pick up that phone and let us know what's on your mind. Again, the number is one 888 And you know what? <clears throat> I hate to be the one to remind you, but you're gonna, we're going to lose an hour tomorrow. Yes, daylight saving time has come to an end. They are, as they say, spring forward, fall back. (laughs) And tonight we're going to fall back. (laughs) So set your clocks back, folks, or you will be late for church tomorrow. And as you see a whole bunch of people wandering in in the middle of worship, <laughs> you and, know what happened. <laughs> and, and might be late to work, too. Right. <laughs> Some of them have to work. That's right, right. Mm-hmm. So please remember to set your clocks back so that you are not having those issues come tomorrow morning. Uh, and get a good night's, get a good early start on your sleep tonight because <laughs> you're going <laughs> to lose an hour. <clears throat> so anyway. 
now that that's out of the way, we want to also thank everyone who's been faithfully praying for contending for the faith. Uh, without your diligent prayers and uh, donations, we wouldn't be able to remain on the air. We also want to thank those who gave over the last couple of weeks, Jackie, Richard, Carol, C.R. Charles, Camila and Bomani, Sandra, Adia, Tim, William, Diane and Ronald. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air. And we are so thankful for our faithful listeners who partner with us and, and give to this ministry. We are listener supported, so we need your help. If you've been blessed by contending for the faith, won't you continue to prayerfully consider to partner with us to keep this vital ministry on the air? There's two ways that you can give. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Go onto your computer, your laptop, your smartphone, your tablet, whatever you use to access the Internet, and simply go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button. It's that simple, and away you will go, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. And just let me remind you that, you know, what you give to the Lord, you're storing up uh, treasures in heaven. Believe me when I say this, and I believe one day we all stand before the Lord, he's going to tell you, turn around. And you'll look around, and you'll notice a vast multitude of people behind you, and you're going to ask the Lord, who are these folks, Lord? And Jesus is going to answer you and say, these are the people that were brought into the kingdom as a result of your giving. It's so important that, you know, God wants to use us to touch lives. He said, go and make disciples. Well, this is one way you can make disciples. This is one way you can go and touch lives for eternity is by supporting ministry like ours and others who are solid, biblically based, and who are about uh, reaching lives for the kingdom. So we want to encourage you to sow bountifully that you might reap bountifully. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. And we also have a little uh, letter oh, here. Oh, that's right. We want to. Almost forgot. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> Don't get old, Dr. Buckner. The <laughs> first thing to go is the memory. <laughs> we have a, you know, we always encourage our listeners to send us letters and, and cards, you know, and they do. And here's one. It says, Dear Dr. Buckner, thank you for explaining Matthew 24 verses 39 through 41, when a listener asked about it. I always thought this verse referred to the rapture, but the way you explained it as judgment makes sense, especially when you explained the whole, explained the word taken and referred to a previous verse. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for explaining this scripture, Sandy. Wow. Yes, it's always uh, moving and touching when people respond to uh, the teaching of the Word of God, and we trust that the Holy Spirit always through me is going to minister to somebody out there, and 
we just appreciate that uh, encouraging letter and the words of encouragement because so many people do think that this is referring to the rapture, but it's uh, referring to judgment. And when you look at the context of Matthew 24, it uh, Jesus talks about how uh, Noah, during his time, that uh, there were many people taken, and they were taken into judgment, and Noah and his family were the ones that weren't taken into judgment. So Jesus talks about that in the context of Matthew 24, and uh, it relates to uh, what uh, she got blessed by as well. So we thank the Lord for that. So uh, what we're going to do right now, we uh, have a caller, and we want to get to that uh, caller now, Gary. Let's see. I wonder who it could be. Huh. I don't know if I have we have you heard somebody named Cece? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> how you doing, brother Cece? Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, we are blessed. And how about yourself? Yes, I'm blessed. It's been a pretty pretty uh, rough week, but you know, here. Uh huh. Well, you're not alone. You know, we all go through it, but we have to go through it to get to it, and. But God's grace is good for us in our weakness, so that's a good thing to to, to always know. What? Uh, how did you get blessed by the word tonight? I, I didn't get a chance to hear it. Oh, you didn't get a chance to hear it? No, no, no. Because I, I, when I kept I was calling in, I couldn't. I, when I was calling in was, um, earlier before you guys over, I couldn't get no answer. And when I finally did get it, when I finally did get an answer, it was um, the message was over. So mm-hmm. I called. I called ahead of time, but I couldn't. Kept, the phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. Right. Okay. Well, we're glad that you were able to connect with us, and you can always uh, purchase the CD, CD as well. All righty. What's uh, on your heart tonight? I want to ask you a question in, in uh, Mark chapter ten, verse uh, twenty-four. Okay, Mark. Uh, 10 and, and 24. Uh, I mean, I mean, not 24, I'm sorry, 25. Okay, 25, okay. Yeah. All righty, all righty. You have your Bible there? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, okay. Why don't, you, why don't you read it? Okay, it said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could, you know, if you could... Uh, Give a little bit of exegesis on that. Right, right. Yeah, this is a uh, pretty powerful uh, scripture here. Um, You know, it's a lot of meat in this uh, verse here, uh, but you have to look at verse 23 in the context and then go through. So why don't you read uh, verses 23 through um, 25? Okay, twenty. He said, "Verse twenty-three through twenty-five." Yes. Okay. Um, it says, "Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God.'" The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, "Children, how hard is it to enter into the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God." Hmm. Right, right, right. This is a very good scripture here that Jesus is uh, teaching on, and uh, he's really addressing the issues of uh, the rich today because uh, when we're dealing with a lot of rich people, 
uh, a lot of times they have made uh, their riches their God. And Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. And then he, Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So Jesus looks around and he said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have uh, riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, uh, you know, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus here is just using an analogy uh, because uh, to make a point, you know, you know, there's no such thing as a, a camel going through the eye of a needle, but he's using the analogy of how hard it is uh, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because just like uh, a camel, and many times when they would use the word camel, they would be referring to an elephant as well, and they had a uh, uh, a needle. When he was referring to the word needle, it was referring to a tiny gate in Jerusalem city wall that camels could enter only with a difficulty. But there is no evidence that such a gate ever existed, and if it had, any sensible camel driver would have simply to found a larger gate. So what Jesus is simply doing here is using an analogy of how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because, you know, it it, it doesn't uh, make uh, sense that a person, you know, a camel can go through the eye of a needle because it's difficult. It can't go through the eye of a needle. And then when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's very difficult for a rich man who, uh, you know, trusts in his riches and his materialism to enter the kingdom of God because it's just it's just hard for him to enter there. And that's why Jesus had addressed uh, Nicodemus uh, in John 3. He was a rich man. And Jesus told him, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so that's the issue. And so Jesus is just using uh, an illustrative illustration here to make a point about how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Now, there are some rich people who really have a love for God, and that's a blessing. But the majority today uh, in Hollywood and, and outside of Hollywood, uh, just uh, their riches have become their gods. And so uh, because that that is their god, it gets in the way of the God of the Bible. And therefore, Jesus was trying to use an, uh, an illustration here to make a point about how hard it is for those who are in the world of riches to enter the kingdom of God. So hopefully that helps out. A lot, too. And I just want to make a comment uh, for it, too. Uh, what you say is so true because I was looking at an interview of the comedian Kevin Hart, and he was saying before he had got big um, – he had to move out on his own, and his mother was, a, you know, uh, she, she was a Christian. And um, he said he needed his rent money to pay his rent. And then, you know, he kept telling his, rent, his, his mother, he kept asking, telling his mother that he needed his rent money, but she kept saying that you read your Bible. He said, no, I haven't read my Bible. He said, she said, well, read your Bible. 
and constantly he he refused to read his Bible, and it got to a point to where it was he was three months behind, and he called his mom again. She said, um, "Kevin, you know," he said, "He, he said uh, I need my money. He, I need some money for the rent." And she was like, "Well, we'll read your Bible." And he refused to read his Bible. He said, Mom, I'm going to be, I'll read my Bible and I'm going to be out on the streets. And then finally one day he said, he opened up his Bible and all these checks fell out from all the months that he owed the rent for. Mm-hmm. And then he called his mom and he said, um, um, thank you for the checks. She said, did you read your Bible? He said, no, but I got the checks. And, <laughs> you know, so, it's, I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it's really true, too. And I haven't heard him mention that he's read it since, you know, so that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jesus gives the illustration too in uh <clears throat> in the Bible as well. Um in Luke sixteen of the rich man and the poor man and how the rich man was so involved with his riches that he ended up uh in Hades, you know, in torment because he was so much into his riches that he neglected the poor. And so this is a wake up call that Jesus is giving. Uh so uh that's a good question that you have. Um, yes. Do you, uh, have any prayer requests? Yeah, if you can, you can just pray for me, um, and my family again, you know, and, and my friends, uh, and then also I have a, 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 a friend's family member who's, um, being held against their will, I guess, in, in another part of the world, and they need to be, uh, they want to come back home to their family over here. I want to pray that God would honor that request. And then, of course, to lift up, uh, Kevin Hart. And the rapper uh, Eminem for salvation. Okay, let's uh, lift that uh, these prayer requests up, Gary, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for Brother CC. We pray, Lord God, that you touch his life first of all and foremost. That you meet every need that's represented in his life, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, or emotional, Lord God, or financial, Lord God. And, Lord God, we know that uh, our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So supply his need. We pray for his mom, Rosalinda, and his family. We pray for uh, Kevin Hart, Lord God, and and Eminem and um, these celebrities, Lord God, that you would just move upon their lives, Lord God, as you move upon as you moved upon our lives at, at that critical juncture, may they find you in the midst of this dark world, that the light of Jesus Christ would shine forth, Lord God, that you'd bring people into their lives, Lord God, that would be salt and light and share the gospel with them, that, Lord God, that they just couldn't escape it. And we pray, Lord God, that you would have mercy upon their souls as you've had mercy upon us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary, and thank you, CC, for... Uh, your uh, call as well and your uh, prayer requests. Thank you. If you guys can't leave me on the air because uh, I'm, I'm on my phone. I have not by my radio. Okay. We'll do that. Uh, all right. Well, it's time for us to take a commercial break. Our phone lines are open. The number is 1 888 F O R K F A X. That's 1 888 Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. We want to hear from you tonight. Again, that number is 1 888 F O R K F A X. AX. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 Five three two nine. Don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is one eight 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 
F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And once again, I just want to remind everyone that uh, tonight you need to set your clocks back. It is fall back. You're going to lose an hour, so you want to make sure that you get to bed early and set your clock back so you're not late for church or you're not late for work or you're not late for anything. Uh, So please keep that in mind that the daylight savings time comes to an end tonight. Set your clocks back. And once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith. This is a prayer-driven ministry. I don't know how many times I've said it, and I will continue to say it. Without your prayers, this ministry would not be on the air. And likewise, this is a listener-supported ministry, and without your support, we would not be on the air. And we need your continuous prayers, and we need your continuous financial support to maintain this ministry, to keep it alive and on the air, doing exactly what God has called us to do. We can't thank you enough, those of you who gave over the past week, um, and those of you who have been praying for contending for the faith. We know without these two arms of support, we just would not be here. So we just want to encourage you and thank you for being so faithful in giving and being so faithful in your prayers. Please be consistent in giving and be consistent in your prayers for contending for the faith. There's two ways you can give and donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. You can send your check or money orders to that address and we will receive it. The second way is so much simpler. Just go online to your, get on your tablet, your smartphone, your laptop, whatever device you use to access the internet, and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and it's that simple, and away you'll go, being a blessing for time and eternity. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those uh, announcements, and we trust that everybody will uh, take heed to that, and I believe that we have another caller, do we not? No, that's uh, an anonymous. That's, oh, okay, anonymous call. That's okay. uh, the question okay. that came in, and they wanted to know about uh, Genesis eighteen and verses six through eleven, and actually, how does this relate to uh, strong delusions? So, well, that's a very good question, and let me kind of just like build on this um, in relationship to this, and I think something was said about Sodom and Gomorrah as well in relationship to this. Well, when you look at the uh, the Bible, the Bible is a, a book that is divine as well as human. So it is uh, reveals the divine work of God, and it also reveals the humanness and the problems and the failures of uh, humanity in the Bible. And that's the one thing that makes the Bible so real, because God not only deals with the divineness, but he also deals with the humanness, and he deals with us despite all of our failures and our problems. And so we see here in the uh, situation with Abraham and uh, or Abram and Sarai that uh, the whole dynamic around uh, the, uh, you know, having a child, getting ready to have a child God had promised them, and the laughing around it uh, with Sarai, uh, not uh, believing because she was at a certain age, uh, 
Um, well, the problem here is not so much of a strong delusion as it is uh, a lack of faith here. And uh, because they finally believed God. And uh, the writer of uh, Romans, uh, which is Paul, talks about Abraham believed God and staggered not at the promises of God. And, and Sarah finally believed as well. They didn't stay in their unbelief of the miracle that God would do. Uh, strong delusions is generally related to people who are constantly laughing at the things of God and not trusting the things of God and constantly saying no over and over and over again. Well, Abraham and Sarah, Sarai didn't constantly say no to God over and over again. Now, when, you, when it gets to the principle of uh, dealing with um, Sodom and Gomorrah, you have a whole different situation there. Uh, the people who were in rebellion uh, to God and living in homosexuality, that would be related to uh, strong delusions because they constantly said no to God over and over and over. And just like I was teaching on Pharaoh, heart in his heart, they heartened their hearts regarding God uh, giving them a warning after warning and yet they continued to live in sin and wretchedness and wickedness, and then God's judgment came upon them just like he did with Pharaoh and just like he's doing today. And so God gave them up, and he judged Sodom and Gomorrah, and just like in Romans chapter 1, he gave them up because people were into perversion, and then the perversion led to the first P, perversion led to the second P, which is the penalty of God, which leads to the judgment of God. So, yes, Sodom and Gomorrah, the people who died there, and even Lot's wife, when she looked back and became a pillar of salt, she didn't believe and didn't trust God and didn't kept saying no to the things of God and looked back and became a pillar of salt. So the strong delusion came upon her along with the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that led to their self-destruction and the destruction of a whole entire city. And they actually was able to unearth uh, the walls in the city of Sodom uh, archaeologically, and they were able to find that uh, the, some of the areas were burned and there were actually brimstone and fire that actually came down, and archaeologically it uh, gave credence to the Bible that what God did was true. So anyway, uh, hopefully that helps out with the situation. And uh, I think you had a, a, a question, Gary, as well, that you wanted me to elaborate upon yes, as well. Yes, you know, you know, we talk to a lot of people day in and day out. And also, you know, people that are listening to the broadcast often hear terms like hermeneutics, exegesis, eisegesis, um, apologetics. And, you know, those are big terms that you you we often use, but maybe we can take a moment to break those down so that people have a good understanding, particularly when we talk about hermeneutics, which is the science of interpreting God's word correctly. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on that and what are some of the basic principles of interpreting God's word? Because as believers, we should be in God's word every day. Uh, we're in sun. We're in church on Sundays, and we're hearing God's word from the pulpit, and we're hearing God's word oftentimes on the radio from various ministers, 
we're hearing on television and we need to be able to have uh, the tools to discern uh, what is truth and whether scripture is correctly being interpreted. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Brother Gary, for those questions as well. And you hit it on the nose just uh, introducing uh, hermeneutics because it's it refers to the biblical science of interpretation. That's the biblical science of interpretation. And uh, every person who is studying the Bible needs to have a working knowledge of uh, the principles of uh, hermeneutics. And um, if you don't have a working knowledge, you can end up getting into what is known as eisegesis. And eisegesis has to do with a person reading something in the context that's not there. And we have people that's doing that all the time, people who are biblically illiterate, people involved with cults, people involved with false religions, and uh, people uh, that you're dealing with right now in, mm-hmm. in, in many ways as well. So, And then exegesis has to do with letting the context and the Scripture explain itself. And one of the interesting Scriptures <clears throat> where we first find the word um, exegesis is, is in John chapter 1, and uh, we have uh, verse 18. It, it says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has exegeted him. When it uses the word declare, that's something very important for us to understand. When it uses the word declare, it's uh, the Greek word exegete. It means that he has expounded truth through him and and Jesus is all truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So all exegesis is found in God declaring him <clears throat> to represent the Father. Now, getting back to the principle of hermeneutics, um, there is the, a, a science with the principles of hermeneutics. And one of the first principles of hermeneutics, and this is the thing, Gary, that gets a lot of people in trouble, is that the first principle of hermeneutics is that you always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the new and never the reversal. That's why I was saying last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when somebody called in, I believe it was Daniel, and he asked about <clears throat> uh, Genesis 6. Well, when it, when it says that the sons of God went into the daughters of man, well, if you take that to literally mean that there was angels going into uh, or having relationships with, um, with uh, human beings, and then the Nephilim race came, well, that's really a problem of eisegesis. This is a good example of that. This is a problem of eisegesis, reading in the context something that's not there. I'm going to give you kind of like an example of this. The first principle of hermeneutics is always interpret the Old Testament in light of the New. So how do we look at the New in judging the Old? Well, we look at it from the perspective of this. Jesus said in the New Testament that angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. So that debunks the whole argument of Genesis chapter 6 when they're trying to say that angels came in because we're dealing with mythology when people teach that and not theology. And then also Jesus says in the New Testament 
in Luke 24 that uh, when he appeared in the upper room, it says the disciples were frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And Jesus said, a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So he debunks again the argument that a uh, spirit can take on physical capacity because he debunks that argument in saying that. So we, the, the, the hermeneutical principle is we look at the New Testament to judge the old. And that's the same thing that's true about Sabbatarians who try to uh, bombard the church today uh, with old Sabbatarian laws and stuff. And yet when you look at the New Testament, you know, Jesus debunks that as well. And the apostle debunks that and tells us to judge no man upon the days, the Sabbath, or new moons, and on and on and on. And then the apostle Paul, he says in Romans 13 that, um, that the love is the fulfillment of the law. So love is the fulfillment of the law, and then it goes into what Jesus said, that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. So again, looking at the New Testament to judge the Old Testament, to interpret, should I say, the Old Testament. And a lot of people, because they haven't learned those biblical principles, Gary, they get into biblical illiteracy, they get into uh, torturing the text of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And the the other thing, too, I want to say this, is that with hermeneutics, you have not only the principle of of interpreting the Old Testament in light of the New, but you always got to look at history, that's critical. You got to look at context. You got to look at a multitude of principles. Uh, you got to look at Greek. You got to look at Hebrew. And you got to look at all these principles that go with hermeneutics. And if you don't do that, you'll violate the, uh, the scripture and you'll get into the torturing the text. That's what a lot of people end up doing today uh, when it comes to the principle of hermeneutics. So I've kind of like broke this down in a way to try to help everybody to see it in the light of what the question you asked. Well, that's, thank you, Dr. Buckner. You know, we, we always have to be uh, careful, particularly when it comes to context. Uh, I've seen uh, so many times where people will take something out of context, take a word out of context and uh, try to build you know, uh, a whole nother level of truth that isn't there. That's why we always say, I've always said to my students what R.A. Torrey once said, a text taken out of context becomes what? A pretext mm-hmm. for, for error. error. Mm-hmm. And that's what you end up with when you talk to these people and you say, how in the world did you come up with this nonsense? It's because, you know, they'll, they'll take something out of context. Or they'll take a, a talk, dealing with somebody recently, and um, this is scripture that where Jesus said, I, "I spoke to the world, you know, and I preached openly in the synagogue and in the temple, right?" And their 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 reasoning or their arguing was that, well, did Jesus really speak to the world at that time, literally to the world, right? So they take the word "world." out of the context of the passage where Jesus is basically saying, you know, I spoke openly. 
Right, <laughs> right. And the, and the term and the term world refers to the context of the people during that time. Just right. like it says, Solomon spoke to the entire world. Well, it spoke. He's talking about the people during that time. That's right. Yes. Well, I hear the theme music. Is it really that time? <laughs> wow. I can't believe we've come to the end of another exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, um, Brother Frederick Manning, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner. Always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. Once again, don't forget to set your clocks back. My name is Gary Bell, and may God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.